Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Mayor's Minutes. Um, I want to start this week's show by uh, uh, thanking Jack Wilson, the Director of Economic and Community Development, who filled in for me last week. Uh, I had a little foot surgery, and that is one of the reasons I'm late. I'm hobbling around in a little booty here. <clears throat> it takes me a little bit longer than normal. Um, but uh, hot mic is the buzzword of the week, Ed Quinn. Yes, it is. So we're always careful when the mics are hot. So... Um, I do appreciate Jack uh, stepping in last week and and doing the uh, show, and he did an excellent job. Let's just hope he didn't Wally Pip me, and that is a reference that'll uh, most of you will probably not understand, but some of you uh, baseball fans will. Uh, so Jack will be my Wally Pip. You get that, Sandy? Wally Pip? No? Okay, I'll explain it later. Yeah, I and I am recovering well. Thank you, Anomalous. Uh, I had a little. Uh, Minor foot surgery, I had uh, um, an amputation of one of my toes, to be honest with you. Uh, that was uh, quite unexpected. Uh, it came up out of the blue last week, uh, Tuesday, and um, we dealt with it, and we're moving on. Um, so thank you to the professionals that helped me. And thank you, I want to say, um, uh, I have a friend in the city, Karen Ferrillo, who's a nurse, um, and she does, um, she's a strong supporter of mine, but she's also a terrific nurse. And uh, she helped me change my bandages today, which is kind of difficult when they're at the bottom of your foot. So uh, kudos to her. Uh, So the news is kind of good this week. It's on the uptick, and uh, we could use some good news, um, and we've got some. Um, And there's plenty to talk about. We were planning to have uh, the owner of One Stop Liquors on, but he had a family emergency, so we had to cancel at 3 o'clock. So we do have Council McCarty coming in. Uh, he's not here yet, but he'll be here shortly, um, and we appreciate him stepping in the void. Um, and as always, open to all your questions and comments. Uh, there's a lot going on. Uh, there's a lot of good things going on. So let's focus. Let's get into the COVID charts, if we can, to start. And that's where the first piece of good news, you see that green arrow, uh, 618 new cases. Not that 618 is anything to brag about, uh, but you got to remember that we've come from 1,900 to 1,200 to 600. So you're going to see when we get to the good, not-so-good chart, um, and I'm not asking you to go there yet, that the epidemiologists have kind of hit this one on the head. A micron seems to be cresting. Um, that doesn't mean it's over, right? And you're going to hear the mayor um, talk about, um, <clears throat> as I was recovering from my foot surgery, I worked from home um, Friday and Monday. And I watched uh, the mayor of Boston talk about uh, vaccine mandates, and uh, we're not going to we're not going to uh, we're not going to entertain vaccine or mask mandates in the city. I think you should use them, um, but um, that's your prerogative. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And I know some people won't like that, but that's you know where we are. Um, so, uh, 618 new cases. Next slide, please. So the good and the not so good. The numbers, like I said, are are headed where the uh, the epidemiologists have said they would. Um, most vaccinated individuals are still experiencing mild symptoms. And I'm going to pause here because if I've been on the show last week. Um, I would have talked about a personal friend of mine. I lost a personal friend at the age of 58 uh, who was a Methuen resident, who was a wonderful guy. Um, he did not vaccinate, to my knowledge. Um not that that is a reason for something bad to happen to him, but I would tell you that um, 
uh, his family's suffering the loss of him. His friends are suffering the loss of him. And to me, it drives home the point that I make on this show regularly. Um, it's all just numbers till it's somebody you know. Right? And when it's somebody you know, it personalizes the event. Um, and during the course of the last two weeks, uh, two people that I'm uh, friendly with, one very close that I just described, and one that I know from Bocce, uh passed away from the effects of COVID. So it is still a lethal uh, virus out there. It is not to be sneered at. Um, for the umpteenth millionth time, the mayor is going to say to you, everybody I love, I convince them to get vaccinated. Why, why won't you? Right? So um, the, the data is out there that proves that the impact on people who are vaccinated is less severe. Not that you can't get it. So I know people will go to the social media and say, well, you know, I get the vaccine and I still get COVID. I get the vaccine and I still get COVID. But I'm convinced that the effects of COVID on somebody with medical conditions like me would have been far more severe had I not had the vaccines. So I've had the two vaccines and the booster. Um, and yeah, the booster, um, <clears throat> it kind of put me on my rump for most of New Year's Eve. I got it December 30th. And uh, it's the first time I don't remember seeing the ball drop. But um, to me, that far outweighs the consequences. And we're going to talk about that as we get back to the good and the not so good. Um, the other good piece is, uh, so there's test kits available, and I want to temper this. So we've got, um, there are four available per household from the federal government. And we're going to talk about, in case you missed the opportunity to apply, I applied for it, and mine just came in yesterday. Just came in in the mail yesterday. So that was probably about 10 days. Um, the schools are going to begin a program where they're going to be distributing test kits that come from the state government. Um, so every student is going to get um, a test kit, two tests, to use Sunday night one, Sunday night two, and report the results. And that's depending on parents reporting the results. And that's an important piece, and that starts February 7th. And then last but not least, we did receive the 8,000 kits, or the 16,000 tests, it should say, um, that we're going to talk about how we distribute those. All right, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit in a couple minutes here uh, because we want to make sure we get it in the hands of the people who need it the most. Um, they're not so good. Our vaccination rate still lags. Uh, we need to ensure those test kits get to who truly need it. This is not a time for hoarding. And so I, I bring out the issue of toilet paper, TP. I got my Amazon notice the other day that said my delivery of TP. Sandy, that's the code word, TP. Uh, TP would be delayed uh, because supplies are dwindling. Um, so what we don't need is these test kits have expiration dates. We don't need people stocking them in closets for the rainy day. We need you to get them if you need them. And then the third thing is February vacation is looming. Now, while it doesn't present quite the challenge that the holidays do, you know, I was talking to a reporter from the Trib today, and you've got, you know, Christmas Eve, and you've got Christmas Day, and you've got uh, New Year's Eve, all in a one-week compacted time frame. And that really contributed greatly. I hope people understand. All that gathering, which I get is so important to all of us, contributed to the spike that we, we saw after the holidays here. Right? So... Where we go post-February vacation 
depends on uh, how people deal with it, right? And so we, we've got to kind of do the best case possible. All right. So um, I, I want to uh, see if we got any questions. We got one from when you say 6 to 18 new cases, what is the time from the, in a week? Yeah, in a week, Allison. That's one week. Hola, Ralphie. Como esta? Um, let's see. 11 school systems today or yes, they removed the harassment mandates for every child in the school system, whether they have been vaccinated or not, including teachers. What's your opinion of this? I'm torn it. That's a, that's a great question. Um, to me personally, uh, I'd love to see a little bit more data on the impact of COVID on uh, youngsters who get it before I make that decision. I can see both sides of the coin here, right? I can see that, um, you know, it blocks facial expressions. It may make it tougher for learning to see. Um, a lot of times when you're a teacher, having been a teacher, you can look at a face and ascertain whether the student understood or not by, based on the facial reaction. And there's other things associated with it. And there is no disputing that, um, you know, the, I don't want to say the lockdown, but the stoppage of school last year and the full remote really hampered our, our uh, mental health. And that's not unique to Methuen. Um, so um, I understand that part of it, Ed. At the same time, um, I'd like to see a little bit more data on the potentially uh, – impacts of COVID to younger folks. I don't think we're yet at a point. See, I, one of the things I worry about is we've become so accustomed to uh, problem answer that this is a situation we don't have a black and white answer to. And so as we, you know, collectively, all of us try to figure out an answer, uh, people get emotionally charged, and I understand that. Um, I read someplace yesterday, I was reading an article that the state of Virginia, the governor, um, he puts it on parents, whether the kids are going to wear masks to school or not. So that's a parent's right, uh, more than a health exception. Um, I would just love to see before I, I, I'd say that, um, what's the lingering effects? And I don't think we know that, and I don't know if there's time enough for that. Um, so I'm not trying to waffle on your question, Ed. I'm just trying to, to – I struggle with it, right, because I can see both sides of the coin there. I will tell you this. Um, we're not going to have a mask mandate in the city of Methuen. Um, we're not going to have a vaccine ID mandate in Methuen. All right? And um, you take the second piece, which is the easy one to address to me. So I look at the many small businesses we have in our community who are the lifeblood of our community and how they suffered when we had the shutdown. And um, let's face it, I live on Hampstead Street. You can throw a rock from my backyard into Salem, New Hampshire. All those businesses were open. So uh, our intent is not to drive businesses across the line. Uh, so I'm not going to enforce a rule that's going to, you know, drive additional clientele across the border into New Hampshire, right? What we're working hard to do is make Methuen more uh, business-friendly, and we are having some successes. And I'm going to have Jack back on the show to talk about some singular examples. Um, we did get our letter of intent from um, – Oh, God, I just had a brain cramp. Um, this coffee company, um, what's the veteran coffee company? Why can't Battlegrounds. I Battlegrounds, thank you. It's tough to get old. Thank you, Counselor. Um, so uh, we had talked to them before. 
the pandemic hit March of 2020. And to me, um, uh, you know, Sal and his wife, I'm going to reach out to that happened because of the nature of the relationship between the DeFrancos and, and the city. You know, I think we impressed them with our desire to do business with them. Um, so they've given us a letter of intent to come to the city of Methuen. We're going to do everything humanly possible to make that happen. All right? And that's just one example. But I got off track there with the mandates. So um, uh, Nancy says, my husband went to the loop last Saturday for his booster. He was the only one there. He went at 4 o'clock. Yeah, nobody's going for the boosters anymore. Right, we ran uh, three sessions last week. I think the total we vaccinated was 48 people. Right, it's nowhere near enough, and I know people are out there doubting. I'm just going to tell you what I keep thinking. Right, um, let's see. Okay, looking to purchase N95 masks. Anyone know you can? Um, I was talking to CVS today, Sue Nicholson, and they're telling me that they will have them in stock next week. Right. And so I want to go back to the good and the not-so-good chart, if I could, because I want to kind of spell this out on the test kits. Because the test kits, there's one piece. So there's the four free federal government, and I'm going to give you the link in a minute, if you haven't already applied, one, four per household. Then the schools are going to start February 7th distributing um, one test kit, which is two tests for every student, Sunday to Sunday. Then we're talking about our 8K, but over and above that, uh, most health insurances are now going to cover test kits. So you're going to find CVS and Walgreens and places like that where you're able to purchase it with no cost to you. All right? So I think we're going to answer the test kit scenario fully here in, in full. Okay, next chart. So this is the by gender. You can see that, that um, during the surge, um, if you remember this chart back to when the surge started, uh, the females in the orange and the males in the blue, uh, there was about a 400-piece difference. So um, females outgained the males in the city of Methuen by almost two to one during a micron. So it's about a 1,000, almost, a, yeah, a little over a 1,000 swing. So 1,000 more females have had COVID than uh, males. That's life of the duration. We can split that down for you. Next is the distribution by age. And you can see that the under 19, that's the, that's the only cause I have for thinking about that mass question, Ed, is that, that large number that's getting it. What's the implications of those younger people getting it? Right? Because I think by and large, most of our teachers, most of our teachers who are going to get vaccinated are vaccinated. Right? Most of the administrative staff in the schools and custodians, if they're going to get vaccinated, they are vaccinated. Next chart shows the 618, and again, 168 of those are under the age of 19. Um, and if I look at my cheat sheet here, um, <clears throat> that's down 136 from last week in the under 20, right? And you should also know we had three hospitalizations, which is down from nine last week, right? We had three new deaths reported, down from six last week. So... Um, Two males and one female. And um, the ages are, we had a 50-year-old and um, two 70-plus-year-olds, right, that passed away last week. So we are still having deaths due to COVID. Um, so it's, it's not gone away, and I know people want it to be gone away. I hear terms like the new normal or 
you know, return to normal. Um, this is going to be with us for a while. So and then my favorite chart, the big three. Uh, you can see that uh, dramatic impacts everywhere. Um, uh, so our number's a little bit lower than Haverhill's, thank the good Lord, and significantly lower than Lawrence. All right? And uh, Lawrence, I will point out, uh, if I remember my data yesterday from talking to my DPH lead, Lawrence is the lowest vaccinated city, large city in the state, population-wise. Right? And so that's driving some of that seriousness there. Okay, then Ryan gives me the big three plotted out, which shows you that our positive rate is still around 30%, which is significantly high. Lawrence is at 40%, and Haverhill's at 27 uh, We should expect to see that come down as these numbers continue to grow. And then last but not least is the chart that you can go out and see on the mass.gov. So across the state of Massachusetts, uh, the percent of the population age five and over that received their first dose is almost 90%, 89.7%. See that number at the top? And Methuen's number is 76.3. And as I look at down below, uh, Mass is now up to 90.6. So Methuen is 14 percentage points off the pace, right? And so we've got to keep appealing. We are making progress. We went from 75.7 the week before to 76.3, but we need to do more. That's the impact of those 48 people I talked about. Then for the percent of the people in the state that are age five and over that are fully vaccinated, the state average is just under 78, 77.8%, and Methuen is at 68%. So again, uh, trailing, but again, improving. We went from 67.7 to 68. That's not much of an improvement. Uh, we've got a ways to go. And I'm convinced that the vaccines help. So I want to show the next chart. <coughs> Should be the one for the dis- yeah. So this is a f- this is uh, going to be run on MCS if my understanding is correct um, in English and Spanish. So uh, we're asking residents who are disabled. There's the Spanish version. Yep. Um, so we're asking residents who are are disabled and need a COVID test. Um, to call that number, 833-801-0601, or to send an email to covidtestkits at citymethuen.net. So again, 833-801-0601, or email us at covidtestkits at citymethuen.net. And we'd ask you for your name, your address, the number of people in your household, your telephone number, and we'll call you back and arrange for you to pick them up, or if that's not possible, we'll arrange for Meals of Wheels or Methuen Taxi Service to deliver them to your house. Um, and so that's the way it's going to work. Now, I, wa- I wanted this chart up first because uh, we, we I want to thank um, all the members of the Disability Commission who worked hard with the mayor's office and the health department to kind of put this program together. Um, and so once we've distributed to the disabled community, we will now know how many of those 8,000 kits we have left over. And then we will be announcing sometime Friday a, an Eventbrite event that is tentatively scheduled for February 5th. And we want to thank uh, the folks at Griffinbrook Park 
who have allowed us to use their facility. February 5th is a Saturday, I believe. And we're going to set up, you'll register on Eventbrite, you'll get a specific time, and you show up only at that specific time to pick up your test kits, and we record that we gave them to you. Right? Uh, now, we haven't sent the Eventbrite link out yet because we don't know how many we're distributing to the disabled community. We want to finish that first. So uh, there's a sequence of events here. One of the important things I forgot to say about the disabled is the deadline for you to request a kit. If I could go back to that slide. The deadline for you to request a kit is Friday, this Friday, January 28th at noon. So either call that number or email us at covidtestkits at citymethuen.net. And if you know somebody who's disabled in the community who's, who doesn't watch MCS or doesn't look at social media because we've advertised it out there as well, please get them the information so that they can call in and we can get a kit to them. Um, and that's really important. Uh, lastly, I go back to what I said on the good and not-so-good chart. We're asking you, if you have test kits, please don't try to get more. This is not the time to hoard them. There's going to, I showed the, the federal government link and everything. There are going to be plenty of test kits available, right? The idea is not to get them and store them. The idea is to get them if you need to use them. Um, and that's whether you're symptomatic or asymptomatic, right? If you have to test for a specific reason. Remember, there's an expiration date on the side of the boxes. Um, so don't stick them in your closet and say, well, I'll keep them there for six months because many times they... They expire. Okay. Um, I'll save some of the ads for, there was supposed to be one more chart in there. Did he not give it to me with the, gov with the federal government link? He didn't. So did he give it to you guys? So I'll say this right in front of Council McCarty. The, oh, that Ryan. Where's Nancy Reardon when I need her? Um, so there should be a chart in here, um, and we'll commit to get it to you during the show if Ryan's watching. We're supposed to have the link in for the federal government. Uh, there it is, right there. Can't see it. Yeah. So are you running that on MCS too? Are we running this on MCS now? That's good. So this is this is the link, this www.nachw.org slash COVID test. You can get four per household, or you can call that one 800 232 02233. You can have four test kits per household. And let me tell you, it works because I called it uh, a little over 10 days ago. And like I said just yesterday, I got my, four ki my two kits, right? Four tests. So um, if you haven't done this already, do it, right? Order those test kits because they'll be coming to you. There are additional test kits to come to you. And then. Um, Try not to forget that we also have um, health, health insurance now starting to pay for, starting in February, starting to pay for the test kits. So you should be able to procure them from Walgreens or CVS with no cost to you, no out-of-pocket cost. And that's really good news because that will address a lot of the availability issue of test kits. Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, Mayor, the school department will begin the distribution of test kits the week of February 14th, not February. Thank you, Susan. Appreciate that. Uh, there is no line at the testing site on Pelham Street as of 430. Yeah, the testing has gone way down as well, the PCR testing. And so I want to go back. If you get a positive hit on um, 
uh, an at-home test kit, um, it is possible to get a misread. So you may want to. You don't need to for school purposes or for work purposes in the state of Massachusetts. Uh, your employer may require it. But you may want to do a PCR test at Greater Lawrence Community Health anyways to validate that uh, a positive is a positive because the PCR is far more reliant than the at-home test kits. Just so you know. Great question. All right. Uh, let's see. Council Beauregard's on. Uh, and it's uh, questions light up for the owner of one stop on how to prepare for snowmageddon. Yeah, so I do want to say this. It's unfortunate that he had a family emergency. Um, but um, if you're like me, um, you're probably thinking, I can get my booze cheaper in New Hampshire, right? And uh, I went in to one stop to do a little Christmas shopping for the holidays. I was looking at some prices, and I priced them against the New Hampshire State Liquor Store. Um, they're beating them, right? So don't think that you have to go to the New Hampshire State Liquor Store. Uh, you've got fantastic prices. You've got an unbelievably wide range of uh, product to select from. Like um, I give my barber a bottle of bourbon every year, and there's a whole aisle of bourbon. I literally had to go to the phone and kind of figure out, you know, what's the good stuff, what's What's the not-so-good stuff, right? What's the cheaper stuff? Well, I'm not going to comment on the alcohol because, you know, you might come back with a satire episode where you nick me up on that, so I'll, I'll, I'll remain quiet on the, the booze discussion. Because <laughs> the water to go. I'll, no. I'll take your word for the pricing. It's great. <laughs> um, so I think, excuse me, <laughs> I think Council Ferretta's been in there. He's the one who tipped me off to it. He was looking for recommendations on what to get during the snowstorm to yeah. break it down with. Yeah, I, he well, wanted to know what the top sellers were, the deals. I was hoping that the the owner would. You remember we had um, Bada Bing and um, Don Smiriglion, and they brought samples of their product. Uh, I was hoping the guy from One Stop would bring some samples of his product. We'd we'd, we'd have a, a fun and lightning show, right? So Sandy would have a. A little sample there, and the camera work would be fancy. So, um, Let's see. Anomalous says, thank you for the priority of the distribution. Lots of concerns in, in disability dialogue right now. Yeah, I agree. And, and we're trying to make sure, and I give all the credit. I started to say this, and I stopped myself. I give all the credit to the Disability Commission um, for lobbying uh, to do this. And um, so Eileen lead the chair, but especially uh, Kevin Hatch and Ashley Smallwood, who did a lot of the, the I don't want to say grunt, but putting the flyer together, kind of reaching out um, and helping us figure out a process for collecting the data and then using it back to make sure we got it out to the people. So a uh, great example of partnership on city's part. Uh, Nancy Reardon says, I hear you blaming Ryan, and he did good law. Um, it's two test kits, two tests in each one. Yeah, a test kit is two tests, right? So every test kit, and Ruth Estes says she just got hers. Ed Quinn says, one stop is is a dependent on my essential expenditure. That's great, um, and you should. Um, that's a Methuen business, and there's more good businesses coming there. There's plans for a chicken place called Raising Cane coming soon. Um 
so more good things coming. And we've got to do a separate show just on the economic development front because there's a lot of things happening in the uh, what people call the old square. Uh, there's a lot of things happening at the loop, and there's things happening elsewhere in the city out in the 97 corridor as well. And they're good things, and we need to share those with you so you understand. Um, uh, so Ed says, my wonderful wife and myself watched the presentation last night in Child Street Renovation. What's your actual opinion on what they're doing? I love that you asked that, Ed. Um, I like it. I'd like to see it look as um, – I'd like to see it fit with the, the historical sequencing of the wall. I am concerned about the safety part. If you were on, you heard me before I went to the state of the state, uh, Commonwealth. I asked a question about, you know, I like the diagram. I like the park. I, I just um, – a little worried about the safety, and I, I, didn't, I, I didn't care for the chain link fence, but I thought the design – engineer was open to that, right? And so a lot of that will come down to <clears throat> what the Historic District Commission says is a suitable replacement for parts of the wall um, and how we do that, right? Um, so long overdue, because that's an eyesore with that rolled-up chain-link fence. I pass it. Every time I do the show, I pass it going back home from here, and I just grumble. And I worry because it's a safety situation. Right? And I think you know that's preeminent to me in the design. You heard me say there's got to be something there that prevents somebody from driving over that edge at like you know, 50 miles an hour. So um, I like that we're addressing it. Um, it remains to be seen you know, what the final solution is. Uh, I'm thrilled that um, community development went out and got a million-dollar grant to address it, and council endorsed it. So um, good things there. Okay. Um, so I am joined by Councilor McCarty, Councilor from the Central District, and um, recently announced state representative candidate, but we'll stay away from that while we're on a public forum. Um, so welcome back to the show. Happy to be back. It's been a long time. Yeah. Has it been since today's Patty Day? Uh, it might have been. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. the last time I was here, we had, uh, I think Bada Bing was here. Bada Bing, yeah. Um, and I think I was in the middle of, like, finals week for law school, so yeah. I was a little out of it. But uh, it was funny. I'm, I was late today because I once I got to 213, trying to head off of Pelham Street, got into muscle memory and started to head in towards River Road, yeah. thinking I had a yeah. law school class. So yeah. that was the reason why I was a little late, and no I problem. apologize for that. Well, we got to do the charts anyway, so uh, no big deal. So uh, anything specific that you wanted to talk about to start um, our discussion here? Well, Usually we talk current events, right? Yeah. When you and I meet on a biweekly basis and, you know, we explore a lot of different things going on in the city. And looking back at, you know, the month of January, it's a pretty busy month. I know that we had three major buckets that we sifted through. Uh, we got some new committee assignments for the counselors. So I will be um, working with Joel Ferretra in his athletic committee, uh, working with the local youth organizations, making sure that, the city's doing everything that they can to get those guys and gals, um, you know, the best product out yep. on the, the fields and whatnot. Uh, so looking forward to that. I just got added to that, and we're going to be meeting at the beginning or the end of February. We try to meet at the last week of each month. Yep. And so, um, you know, the other thing that I got assigned to was the veterans' uh, memorials. Yeah. And I saw the big Lafayette sign. Yeah. In your office. Yeah. And uh, it's Joe Bella. And then your, your trusty um, 
assistant Ryan Hamilton, who you give a hard time to. He yeah. um, he's just waiting for the ground to thaw out. Yep. And I know Joe Bella. I give him credit for showing up and getting that done. Um, he's a, he's a, he's a very good man. He cares he is. deeply. He is. If you ever want to know anything about Methuen history, he's your guy. He's your guy. And so um, you know he's great. I'm happy that yeah. we have him here for that. Yeah. Um, so um, and just so uh, people know. That beautiful sign, it's, it's, it's much more elaborate than I thought it was going to be, a little bit larger than I thought it was going to be, too. It's going to be down by the police station because Lafayette actually went through Methuen, and Joe made a presentation to city council talking about how Lafayette went through the city of Methuen on his way up to, I believe it was Derry, New Hampshire. And um, so this, is going to, this placard is going to mark a spot where he actually was during the journey, even though much has changed. And that's right down by the police station. Um, Looks like it's good quality, too. It's oh, heavy it's, metal. It's, it's awesome. Embroidered. It's awesome, it yeah. Does, it's not something that you just print out of a sign shop. Yeah. Now, you mentioned, I want to, so I want to address um, kind of an elephant. So you address that you and I meet biweekly. Um, and Top yeah. secret. Yeah. <laughs> not allowed to talk about <laughs> that's, it. <laughs> that's the reason I brought it up. Um, so the tenor of that meeting, and I want to say this publicly, and I do this with several other councilors as well. Any council who wants to do it, I do it with. That's the honest truth. And and the discussion typically is around uh, things that are gonna we're gonna talk about and where I stand. It's not do I attempt to woo you over or do you attempt to woo me over. It's where do we stand on specific issues uh, going into um, public forum. And I think it's a truly beneficial meeting because it allows questions to be asked that oftentimes explain things uh, that come up, expenditures or whatever. Um, and I'll give you a perfect example. Um, you know, uh, you voted, and I'm going to say this you voted against the free cash use of um, the money for the permit software. And um, if we not, had not had the meeting, I would not get where you I understand where you're coming from. Um, my view is a little bit different, all right? Um, to me, um, the free cash isn't to be used like a checking account, but it's there to kind of propel the city forward, and you have to kind of, and I know we're coming out of this, you know, um, we still have the hangover, if you will, from the $4 million overspend. But I think this council, including you, and this administration have done a good job showing the citizens that we're, we're going to be careful about how we spend the money. Um, and to me, in order to be more business-friendly, we have a permit system that, by and large, is a manual paper. I just signed something on my desk today for an event at Merrimack Valley Golf Course. It's 32 pages of handwritten papers. Um, and, and you hate paper. I hate paper. I hate paper. You know, it's, it's, the, third, it's the third biggest thing I've seen since I came from Raytheon, Right. So at Raytheon, you're discouraged from making mounds of paper. They want you to store things electronically. Uh, the city has, if I ever went into the files in Methuen with a lit cigar and dropped it, uh, you know, records would be lost forever. Um, so you know, we're looking at things like scanning and preserving that data because you have to preserve it, but you don't have to do it in paper. So um, I use that permitting software. It's like, I, I don't. I don't bear you ill will for voting no. That's your right. From your perspective and what you see, I see it a little bit different, 
And I think based upon the discussions we had preparatory to that, um, you know, I kind of expected that. And so um, to me, that's the legislative and the executive kind of working together to see how, how they're working together, right, or, or document how they're working together so the questions get answered and people, you know, understand. Um, well, my favorite part of the meetings, what I find useful on um, having a scheduled time to meet is, you know, I had a, a gentleman reach out to me today who had an issue. Uh, luckily, I, didn't, I did bring it to you. You're aware of it. You're going to call the gentleman tomorrow. But it was just a matter, you know, clarifying something in the ordinances um, that obviously wasn't apparent to the average citizen of Methuen walking around. Yeah. So, you know, there's that, and then there's other folks who might reach out who are having an issue with permitting or zoning or have a question, and it's nice to be able to have that designated time, um, you know, on a biweekly basis yep. where I don't need to bother you yep. on an ad hoc basis yeah. where I just, you know, demand to go in your office and say I need this resolved where I'm able to enter into those meetings with a little bit of a checklist on, you know, constituent services because that's yep. a big part of the job. Is That's the huge part of the job. That's the biggest part of the job, That's right? kind of why we're here, right? It's customer service, right? Yeah, so I've been selling that message for two years. So, um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and oftentimes, to your point, um, it's a misunderstanding of something that leads to the discussion. And, and I'll say this, you know, the, I had a news crew show up in my office today I didn't know they were coming, and they're here because an unaccepted way, um, a private way, it's private property actually, in the past was plowed by the city, and I sent letters out in September that says, well, we can't do that, right? There has to be consistency here. We can, we can only plow private ways, uh, public ways, excuse me. Um, and, you know, the person showed up, and I said, I'm, I'm intrigued that this is a news story, uh, because it's, it, um, I don't know the residents per se. There's a process for them to get the road accepted. They go to city council and say, hey, the developer goes and says, you know, I'd like to, the road meets certain criteria that the town provides, and now I want to have the road accepted. And when you do, then you can get plowing and trash <coughs> removal and things like that. And um, um, oftentimes I get lost in translation, so I sat there. I didn't do it on video. I said, I don't, I don't really think this is a big enough story to warrant like a news. But I would tell you that um, consistency is important, right? I can't treat these people any differently than I would people who have uh, private property on a different part of the city, right? The city can't plow private property. Pretty, that's straightforward. Um, and I know that's, you know, we've got, uh, I was thinking before we started the show, there's all this gloom and doom about Snowmageddon, uh, Council. Uh, Ferretta said snowmageddon. Um, we do a lot of hype now for snowstorms. You know, there's a lot of advanced hype. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if it's Blizzard of 78 methodology. That's pre-U. But, um, you know, since the Blizzard of 78, people, like, got to get bread, got to get milk, got to get booze, right? Well, Councilor Ferretra's got a good thing going. He reached out to me earlier today. He's um, gathering some gift cards for Heavenly Donuts, and he's going to leave them at both locations on Pelham Street and flagship location in the Valley for um, public service officials, great. such as DPW and yep. police who might need to stop by and 
get a refresher or some food. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're all chipping in behind the scenes just yeah. to have That's that. That's a great idea. I'll chip in. Um, <clears throat> and I think, you know, since you bring it up, um, I am going to say this. I, I know people say that's what they get. So in the city of Methuen, so one thing that is done exceptionally well is the plowing, right? When, the, when we have a storm, um, I do get complaints, too much salt, not enough salt, uh, plowed too much, didn't plow enough. Um, my large, I compare us to surrounding communities and where I live. You can tell when you go into Salem, New Hampshire from Methuen just by the plowing. And so I say that to the DPW workers who I, I think in, folks need to understand. They work nonstop once, it's, once the snow starts flying, right, to make sure that the roads are passable for our emergency vehicles, for you. They, they really do a great job um, keeping the city roads clean. So um, I haven't seen the latest forecast. Um, they were still unsure of the track when I saw the 7 o'clock news this morning. Um, but if it, if it turns out to be the 12 inches plus, there will be a snow emergency. We'd ask you all to um, comply. We will have a, uh, the administration will have a meeting tomorrow with the police, with the DPW, uh, with various departments to talk about, okay, what's the plan, right, so that we're ready to address it. Um, and I think, I'll be honest with you, it's one of the few things that I would, I would tell you that we do a really top-notch job on. Right? That doesn't mean um, you might not see something or have something done that wasn't done right. And if that's the event, go to see Click Fix on the city website or use it on your phone and report a plowing incident or a trash incident um, and, and let us come out and rectify it for you. Um, and just to show there's no favoritism, I say this with uh, Pat Bauer's blessing, uh, the last storm they clipped my mailbox. So. Um, don't think you get preferential treatment here. <laughs> so uh, it is what it is, right? Um, and it's hard. If someone's mailbox does get clipped, there is a remedy there that the there city. Is. Yeah, just there is. Report it. There. Call it. Report it. And, um, we have people replace it. So, all right. So uh, we talked a little bit about the weekly meeting. Uh, what else is going on? So just to finish up the DPW, they did have a big audit. Yeah. And um, I missed the presentation. I had a conflict that night, but I came in for the police presentation. And it seemed to me that, you know, everyone's looking for this smoking gun or something like that. Um, and then there was some complaints about some things not being in the report, yeah. um, you know, compared to mm -hmm. the Methuen police audit that happened, where you had an overwhelming message coming from the entire group, where obviously the veracity is there. It can be reliable. Yep. Um, but with the DPW audit, I think it was a matter of, you know, managing your assets properly, um, putting resources towards that yep. so that when the snow hits, we don't have things breaking down. We don't have a vehicle um, yeah. uh, division that is overwhelmed that can't keep up with it. And so I think it was one of those, you know, management studies where here's, what, here's some recommendations on how to look out for the long-term uh, interests of this group and that's keeping the equipment running keeping the boots on the ground yep. and you know it wasn't you know hey who's going to jail here right so i think that that might have been a little bit of a um i'm not sure what the expectation was i think yeah. people think audit they think that someone's getting dragged out in cuffs that may be the unfortunate part of doing the police one first right 
Well, the, the thing with the police one was if there wasn't that overwhelming message coming from the entire patrol, then it wouldn't have gone. Then that it way. would have been, hey, yeah. here's how you protect your assets. Yeah. Here's how you keep your boots on the ground. And with the police, we have to make sure that you know. I had lunch with Chief McNamara. Um, we went to Pika's about ten days ago or so, and we're really lucky to have. The, he's, he's. I mean, you told me he's the real deal, and I've been hearing deal. that from everyone that I've spoken to. And, um, you know, just for the folks out there that might have missed the reorg in the police department, going back down to two captains, we're going to have a patrol division, we're going to have an administrative division. Obviously, the patrol feeds the administrative. And, you know, we had two captains for a long time here in Methuen, going back to when your father was on the force. And, um, you know, it worked. Yep. And now when I see us going back to that, when every resident wanted that in the first place. Yeah. I think that that's something to be proud of. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because uh, Chief McNamara is on the show next week. He's the guest next week. And he's going to go through the reorg because I think the, the public needs that, you know, he did it at the city council and certain people can watch it. Um, <clears throat> but there's benefit to him doing it on the program and taking your questions, right? Taking your questions. Hey, what about this? What about that? Um, um, and I appreciate you saying that. I do believe the guy's the real deal. And I say this every day. Every single day, he gives me reason to, to justify why we hired him. Every single day. His picks for there. sergeant were spot on, too. Yeah. So those are gentlemen who tested very high, he were followed bypassed. The, he and, followed the list in order. And, and I got to give those, those sergeants credit because I, I spoke to, uh, you know, now Sergeant Joba. Yeah. Um, you know, he took the test every time it was available. Yep. He scored very well every time it yep. was available. And then, you know, every time he got the bypass letter yep. that they reached down a little bit below him to grab somebody. So I'm happy that those guys, you know, didn't get discouraged, kept taking kept the test, yeah. and eventually got it. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Matt Muscus um, and Lakata I've heard good things about as well. Yeah. Obviously, Joe Rin, I get along with him very well. I'm happy to see Great him yeah. go up to lieutenant. He's a hardworking guy. He is. He, he stays on the clock yep. and um, no gripes about it. Yeah. He enjoys it. So I'm happy with all the picks. Um, and as far as the DPW audit goes, just to wrap that up, yeah. I do think it would be nice to have a special meeting where our director, Pat Bauer, can come in and say, all right, guys, now that I've had time to digest this audit, because that's what Chief McNamara was able to do before he even took the job. Yeah. He was reading up on the audit. He was figuring out what changes had to happen, and now he's implementing them, and we're all very fortunate that, you know, right guy at the right time. And so with the DPW, I'd like to see maybe a, a isolated night where we're not having, you know, three meetings at once yep. and getting our hair blown back yeah. <laughs> and leaving there not knowing what just happened. But, yep. um, you know, it's own night where Pat can come in and say, hey, here's some of the recommendations. Here what this, here's what this means for Methuen. And, you know, so now that the council's on notice, we know what to expect so that when it does come down the pipe, it's not a big fist fight on yeah. why we're doing this. No, I couldn't agree with you more. I think we owe you that, right? Um, and uh, I would say this. I love that you looped that in. I think uh, before we even brought the police reorg to you, when the chief brought the reorg to me, the part that had me buy in was he tied his actions in in each case to audit findings. This is what I'm doing to address this sort of finding, this one. And that's really what you want to see. What's the plan moving forward, 
right? My expectation would be, um, and you have to hold me responsible as well as, for a matter of fact, that Pat and I would sit and talk about, okay, there is, you know, you can cut the DPW audit down to the planning and proactive maintenance because the DPW does do a good job reactively. Right? When residents call, and I can give you the statistics, I look at them every first of the month. Um, Ryan can tell you that. I look at the C-click fix and how long it takes them to get closed out and whether they were closed out properly. And so they're doing a good job there. But there has to be some planned proactive maintenance, uh, not just of uh, equipment, but like uh, tree lines, uh, catch basins, things like that. Okay, so the third week of February, every year we're doing this neighborhood, right? Um, that, um, there's a piece associated with HR that we've got to address. And then there's the planning piece, uh, which um, not lost on me, coming from where I come from, is, um, <clears throat> you know, the director, his day is, is burdened with personnel and other related issues. And so he really needs somebody who's, who's mapping out things and saying, well, the council expected this to happen in this time frame. We're going to make it or we're not, and here's why, and communicating in that advance versus us just asking the question. So um, I agree with you. You know, I thought there was a lot of benefit to that audit, uh, despite, you know, some of the questions. And I think what I heard the auditor say when he was asked by one of the counselors is if he didn't get recurrence of a theme, he didn't include it. Right? That doesn't mean that, you know, uh, Jimmy didn't say Neil's, you know, cutting corners or something like that. But if he didn't get a corroboration of it from somebody else, that's the difference between this and the police audit. I think that's what you point out. You had an overwhelming response pointing in one specific direction in the police audit. Here, um, it's considered hearsay. It can't yeah, be corroborated. It is. And so, um, but I don't want you to think we, we, we don't address those. We do. Um, if, the, if there's concerns from a resident or from uh, somebody in the department, they can always bring them to the mayor's office attention, and we will address them. And we have. And I say this publicly. Somebody raised a concern um, when I first got into office about um, the um, fire hydrants. You know, this theft of fire hydrants, Mayor, was the thing that was reported honestly. So we instituted, and maybe I haven't commuted enough, we instituted a policy where any time a fire hydrant's installed, I get a photo of the old hydrant, I get a serialized photo of the new hydrant, and where it's installed. And I retain all of those. So if somebody came in and said, where have we put fire hydrants in the last two years? I can basically tell. And we've done a good job adhering to that policy. So... Um, Great point. All right, we're almost at the end, believe it or not. I don't know if it's because I started late or we gabbed a lot. Um, anything anything you want to leave the crowd with? Um, no, I mean, I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing what February has in store for us. Uh, yeah. Just about wrapping up January, we still have to do the ARPA meeting, um, I believe, either Tuesday or Thursday, one of those days. Yep. Um, which would be nice because, you know, the state, in my opinion, misled us a little bit on that flag that got thrown on the field where yep. we were looking for clarification. We asked for it. They directed us back through this portal because everyone's – so we don't have to rehash <clears throat> that. But the point is, is, you know, if it happens a second time, it's going to be worse than the first time. Yeah. 
Well, so I'm happy that you're reacting to that where yeah. now you're being, I think, a little overcautious, yeah, but I, I understand why yeah. because... I just know. want it written by Melanson that spend it that way, right? So before we do it. So there's a lot of projects there. I'm happy to, you know, get into them. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of um, improvement going on in Methuen. Yeah. And I'm excited because obviously I spent the last, you know, the first four years of my term, um, you know, fighting against something that was worth fighting for. And now I'm trying to um, transition a little bit into building something positive. And sure. I think that opportunity is in front of us. Yeah. So um, I'm looking forward to it. I hope that, you know, I understand there's disagreements and we're always going to have problems, but I think the goal is to keep those problems minimalized yeah. and small. Yeah, move and the if, city forward. Yeah. That's right. And so hopefully, um, you know, if I don't agree with you, you're going to hear about it. I yeah. know you have. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. But um, looking forward to it. And yeah. uh, the days are getting brighter. I don't know if you noticed. I was Amen. on my way here at 5 o'clock. Sun was still setting. So, um, you know, we got a brace for this snowstorm. Any, any big plans for Valentine's Day before I let you go? Huh. Um, <laughs> Valentine's Day for me, usually I pick up some flowers and deliver them, um, you know, out to either family members or friends or whatnot. And then the day after Valentine's Day, I have to go pull my papers for the, uh, the big state rep district. So go. that's what I, um, you know, going to be looking forward to that. I always like engaging with the community on a one-on-one basis because when you do enough of it, you get this overwhelming message back so that when it comes time to make a decision on behalf of the residents, you have some confidence. And I know you experienced that yeah. when you first ran in a contested yeah. race. You were yeah. on the doors heavy getting the message. And I think it shows because you've been you know, spot on. We don't agree 100% of the time, right. but if you find two people who agree 100% of the time, yeah. You ought to be suspicious. Amen. Amen to so, that, brother. We can end it on that. All right. Let me just t- thank you for coming on the show. I got a Thanks couple quick ads. Um, so the rec department doing a fabulous job. Um, <clears throat> so we got a dodgeball challenge coming up. Uh, Drop off program, two full hours of supervised play. Dinner included Wednesday, February 9th, ages six to twelve years old, from four to six p.m. Only twenty dollars for Methuen students. Register at MethuenRec.com. And then the next one is the 20th Annual Methuen Fun Hockey Skate and Reed League. I hope they're not going to do that at the same time. As somebody who used to skate, that would be hard. Um, so introduces new players to ice hockey. So kids ages 4 to 14, $170 a child. Um, so there's games on Tuesdays and Thursdays beginning in February. Um, and uh, 22 hours of on-ice instruction we could cross ice games and custom team jerseys. Space is limited. Uh, it says the deadline to sign up is is passed already, but I believe you can still sign up. That's why I got the ad. Then you've got the sensational string out with Miss Jennifer. Going to give a shout out to Jennifer Loisel, who's done a fabulous job. Um, that looks like a little Van Gogh in the lower left corner to me. She does it all. She does it all. Thursday afternoons, February third to March third, four weeks. No class on the twenty fourth. From 3.30 to 5 p.m., ages 6 to 13 years. Sign up today at MethuenRec.com. This is great. As somebody who's not artistic at all, I'm amazed by what this young lady can do, so have your kids work with her. And then we have the Methuen Youth Flag Football League. Um, Also sign up at MethuenRec. And last but not least, we have the Soccer Shots with MethuenRec. Three different age groups, introductory soccer for kids, 
two to five years old, ages two to three at 9 a.m., three to four at 9.40, four to five at 10.25. Sign up today at BethuneRec.com. That runs Sunday mornings, April 3rd through May 22nd, seven weeks. The fee is 130 per resident. Um, and then watch closely for an announcement of the Eventbrite uh, distribution of the COVID test kits once we've finished our, our distribution to the disabled community. And again, thanks to Ashley, uh, Kevin Hatch, and uh, Eileen Lee for all their hard work, and the rest of the Disability Commission. But those three kind of spearheaded it. Um, we'll get the kits out, and we'll, we'll get the event bite distributed to the uh, general public. So in the meantime, um, watch your weather forecast. Um, if you don't have to, if it snows Saturday, as hard as they say it might, and you don't have to go out, don't. Stay home. Put a log on the fire. Make sure you got milk, bread. Go to One Stop Liquor. Get what you need for Snowmageddon. And we'll see you here next week with uh, Chief McNamara to go through the police reorg. Uh, so thank you. God bless. Stay healthy. Thank you, Counselor.